Vegetarian Zen, episode number 37. Hi-ho! This is Kermit the Frog, and today's episode is all about being green. Yay! Piggy! Welcome to Vegetarian Zen, a peaceful place for vegetarians, vegans, and the veg curious to share tips for living a healthy lifestyle. Now sit back, relax, and prepare to get your veg on. Zeners, welcome back to Vegetarian Zen. My name is Vicky. And this is Larissa, not Piggy. And this is not, that is like one of my most horrible Kermits, I think. <laughs> I, I really sound more like that little alien guy. Space modulator. I really sound <laughs> yeah, more you like, do that good. Yeah, like should, that. we should have done the we alien. We should have done that, yeah. Well, welcome back to episode number 37. And this is on vegetarianism, veganism, and the environment. And in the episode today, we're going to be discussing how being vegetarian and vegan affects the environment. Positively impacts. Positively impacts. And I will say, this is something I didn't really recognize. And even, I recognized it some throughout the past year as we've been learning about vegetarianism, but I had not really known it to the depth that I know it now. Right. And it's not really something you think about. I mean, you you think of all the negative impacts of, of things on the environment, but you don't think about when you change certain things in your life, how they can affect the environment positively. That's right. So this is this is a good one. I like this. Okay, but before we get into that, let's go into a few short, quick updates here. All right. Um, we have a some feedback. Uh, this is we don't have this isn't a rating, but it's feedback that we received via email from uh, one of our listeners, Susie Garvey, and Susie responded to. One of the the latest veggie coup uh, email that we sent out. Now, if you if you receive our newsletter already, you know about this. Um, but what we do as a part of our newsletter subscription is periodically we will publish a veggie coup edition. So explain what a veggie coup is. Veggie though. coup is uh, Vicky and I love writing haikus. And we've been doing that for years. Yeah, I used to have a Facebook page called Haiku U, mm-hmm. where people would just submit haiku. Yeah, and if you don't know what that is, it's a form of, I think it's Japanese, Japanese poetry. poetry. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's syllables. Five, seven, five. Right, five syllables in the first line, seven syllables, and then five. And so we, we just have fun writing them, just period. Um, but we started doing them about vegetables and fruits. And so uh, then Vicky started drawing them. So every every edition of the newsletter that is a veggie coup edition, we have a different vegetable or fruit, and it's there's a haiku and a drawing to go along with it, and a recipe that features that food. And so Susie, Susie Garvey, responded to the latest one, which was about ginger. And she said, wow, this is so... And we posted a recipe with it. Um, And she said, wow, this is so delicious. Thanks for sharing this healthy, wonderful treat. And I'll go ahead and and tell what the recipe was. Um, This is something... Veggie Koo is something that's exclusive to our newsletter subscribers. So we don't put it out on the website. We want to reward those that sign up yes, with us. <laughs> exactly. And But this recipe was for a uh, ginger scallion sauce that I like to put on ramen noodles. Personally, um, you can put it on rice. You can put it on ramen noodles, other kind of noodles. Um, it, it is so good and it's so easy to make. So um, Susie really enjoyed it and she let us know and we really appreciate that. And just kind of as a side note, 
Susie also was our very first, the very first person to purchase something from the shop at Vegetarian Zen, which is um, a site that we have along with our vegetarian, our main site, where we sell my jewelry, that my upcycled jewelry that I make, and also our t-shirts. And so Susie had purchased uh, a necklace and a bracelet from us, and she was our very first sale. So thank you, Susie, for that as well. Yes, definitely. Thank you, Susie. Okay. Um, And again, if you are not a member of our newsletter list, please go out to our homepage on our website, vegetarianzen.com. On the right-hand side, you will see a, a submission form just with your email address and I think it's just first name and email yeah, address. Name and email address. Uh, and that's all. And again, we do not spam. We hate spams. Um, I think anyone on our in- current newsletter list could can attest that we're very careful with what we put out there. I do not like getting a lot of things in my email. Uh, and I am quick to unsubscribe when I get too many things. So I know also that it can be a pain. Um, and we, we, we really strive to do is just send you things that we think are of high value. And also for the newsletter folks, we try to send exclusive things so that it's not just things that you find out on our website. We try to find exclusive resources and also exclusive recipes that are only mm-hmm. available to them. And it's free. Right. And we do have a sign up bonus. If if when you sign up, you'll get a um, currently it's a PDF. I'm not gonna tell you what it is because it's for newsletter subscribers. Um, but we are working on a new one, so we'll be replacing that PDF soon with um, with a short ebook, and we'll we'll have more details on that when we actually put it out. Okay, and then we have our Veggieversary giveaway update, right? And so by the time this podcast goes out, we will have given away our grand prize, which is a Breville juicer. Right, right. But we have given away so far two DVDs. We've given away uh, the Forks Over Knives, and that went. That was the latest one we did, and that went to Marilyn, Co- Co- and I forgive, forgive me, Marilyn, if I pronounce this wrong, Kostjen? Co- Question. Um, yeah, it looks like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we also gave away produce, two sets of produce bags to Jeremy uh, Chandonnet, uh, who we actually met in Vegas when we went to Vegas. Yeah, he was at uh, New Media Expo. Right, right. Super nice. And uh, so then we will be giving away the grand prize, um, well, next week for us, but it'll be this past Friday when you listen to this. So, but for everyone who has participated in the giveaway, um, who's left us feedback or comments on our website or on the, on our Facebook page, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. We've had so much fun doing this and this is something that we'll be doing yearly, um, the month of our anniversary in February. So if you didn't want anything this year, definitely, um, check us out next year and, and, um, and enter again. Okay. So let's talk about us. A uh, few events, or not really events, I guess they're days this this week of March 2nd. Well, first of all, today, March 2nd, is actually Dr. Seuss's birthday. And I know in our, when we get to the quote of the week, we're going to have two quotes this week, and one of them is going to be a Dr. Seuss quote. But his birthday has also been designated as National Read Across America Day. That's so cool. What are I you just, reading right now, Larissa? I am reading right now. Um, it's the fourth book in A Song of Ice and Fire, which is the for anybody who watches Game of Thrones on HBO, that's what it is. Um, it's called, the, the fourth book is A Feast for Crows, and that's what I'm working on right now. I'm about halfway through it. Nice. I'm reading, as you know, about five books right now. Uh, 25. <laughs> I, I know. But you know what? I love it. To me, it's like watching TV. I, I, but I, I get a little too ADD with that. And I jump from one to the other. I did just finish a book called Still Writing by Danny Shapiro. Very good book. Um, and I picked up 
Virginia Woolf's A Writer's Diary. And right. so I am determined, even though when we went to the antique shop the other day, I found another book. <laughs> <laughs> I, de- I am determined to finish reading my Virginia Woolf book first. Right. So, so are you reading be- any fiction? I am not. Oh, yes, I am. I am reading R.E. Bradshaw's uh, Rainy Bell series. It's a mystery series. Uh, this is Rainy Nights. Yeah, and I'm almost, I'm about 80% done with that one. Cool. Very good. Good. All right. Okay, so let's go ahead and dive into our main topic for the day. And as we mentioned, this is how vegetarianism and veganism are good for the environment. Right. So when animals are farmed, it has a huge negative impact on the environment. How so, Larissa? How so? <laughs> I'll tell you. Um, no, it, it's just amazing. I mean, and it's just like like we said earlier, it's things that you don't even think of. Um, but when you when you learn it, it makes complete sense. And you're like, why why would I not know that? Okay, let's do some numbers first. So there are on planet Earth approximately, and this just blew my mind, 1.5 billion cows. That's just cows. Okay. Now this is largely because of agro i mean um the meat industry right right and milk and dairy industry okay so that's just cows 1.5 billion cows and then you've got billions of other grazing animals so we're talking goats sheep um you know any other animals that graze like that and these all, all of them emit dozens of different polluting gases into the atmosphere, which affects, of course, the environment and global warming and da-da-da, on and on. So, um, And that's something you just don't even think about, no. right? When I first saw that, I was like, how does, how does that affect the environment? But it does. Right, it does. And, of course, it always has. But, um, you, you know, these, these animals have always produced these gases. And for, I don't want to be crude, but, you know, it's flatulence and belching. Um, because if you think about the way a cow and other grazing animals digest their food, cows, uh, they're called ruminants. It's a class of animals called ruminants. And, you know, cows have four stomachs, right? And so what they do is they chew their grass, food, or whatever they're eating, and then swallow it. And there are four different stomachs. And what they do is they regurgitate part of it, and then they chew it again, and swallow it again. So that's called cud, you know, when cows are chewing their cud, and it looks like they're chewing gum, except they're not blowing bubbles. Well, that's cud. And so they from their first stomach, their their first stomach, they will regurgitate that, chew on it some more, and then swallow it again. And that produces they do a lot of belching when they do that. And when they belch, they emit polluting gases like methane. Um, and methane is the main one for cows, I know. Um, so 14%, and this is just amazing to me, 14% of the total greenhouse gases in the atmosphere come from these animals, which is just crazy. Mm -hmm. And now greenhouse gases include methane, nitrous oxide, carbon dioxide, and there are a couple others, but those are like the three main ones, especially the ones that relate to animals and livestock. Um, Well, and to your point, okay, they've always done this. So people might say, well, so what? They do that. But the point is we are hyper breeding these animals beyond what their population would be just in nature. So this is why this is a serious issue. Right. Well, and before the Industrial Revolution in the 1700s, 
you know, there was no large scale farming like this. I mean, farms were small, local. You didn't have these huge factory farming of livestock. It just wasn't like that. So we didn't have these huge populations. And so you're right. We didn't have them. There were still animals and they still, for lack of a better word, farted, (laughs) you know, but it wasn't this huge concentration. And so then, of course, the effect we know now that these all of these greenhouse gas emissions have on the environment is it increases global warming. Right. And I don't care who says that global warming doesn't exist. It does. Yeah. It's a very real problem. I I tell you what, this is such a pet peeve of mine as well, because people you go through a cold snap Mm -hmm. and when you hear people say, well, so much for global warming. Really? Really? (laughs) (laughs) Come on. That's crazy. I mean, to say that that's very uneducated to say that. I'll just say that. Exactly. Um, So when we talk about how the environment is affected by this large-scale farming of of animals. Uh, we've got s- several different issues. So some of these issues come from the animals themselves, okay? And like we were just talking about, cows and sheep and other animals that graze like that produce large amounts of methane, okay? Which is a very, very harmful greenhouse gas. And these cows and other grazing animals also produce ammonia in both their urine and their dung. And that, now this is just something that, this is something I didn't know at all, but of course it makes, again, it makes sense. Ammonia contributes to acid rain, which, like I said, I didn't know. Um, But if you think about it, ammonia is very, it's, it's a noxious fume. If you've ever like cleaned with ammonia, you know how horrible that is. Oh, yeah. Um, and then nitrous oxide is also in cow and other um, grazing animals manure. And that's another greenhouse gas. So let's talk about some other issues that have to do with supporting and maintaining these huge number of animals. Again, these are we hyperbreed them right. specifically for the meat and dairy industry. So let's talk about, for example, how much water it takes to maintain the livestock. So when we run low on water, we lose the vegetation, which helps to fight against global warming. It also helps to slow soil erosion along our waterways. Mm -hmm. And as you guys know, water is also crucial for our own livelihood, of course. And but it's also a valuable energy source. It's really underutilized, but uh, it is still an energy source. Right. That's something like wind that you know that we we need to start making better use of. But again, if we if we're running low on water in on the planet because we're taking care of all these you know animals then we're not going to be able to do that right um but one thing that you were saying about the the vegetation that i think is so crucial and i think we'll touch on this again later on when we talk about rainforests and deforestation and, and all that as well um but vegetation that grows along waterways so oceans lakes rivers stream whatever um that helps to retain the soil there. And so when we lose that vegetation, uh, whether it's removed by us to create you know, more space for these animals or we, there's not enough water to keep it fed you know, and, they, and it dies, then that's when the soil has nothing to, to kind of bind it together and that's when we get all this erosion. Yep. So uh, that's something that's really important. Okay, so how about this... this uh piece of information for you to produce one pound of beef 
It takes up to 13,000 gallons of water. And that's just for one pound, one pound. of beef. Think about that. That's like a lot of hamburgers are like right. a pound, right? Right. Uh, one pound package of ground beef. To produce a food for livestock to eat, then the water, the livestock, the then to process the meat, right? Mm-hmm. All that stuff. Um, and then to produce one pound of wheat, it takes about 130 to 260 gallons of water. And that's to water the plants? That's to water the plants. So, you know, it takes us, some people might say, well, it, it, it's, it isn't going to take a lot of water to grow all these vegetables. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot more to, to maintain the uh, right. livestock. Right. So let's talk about how the livestock industry also pollutes the waterways, because that's a big thing, right? So there's a lot of byproducts of the meat mm-hmm. industry. You talk about leather goods, for example. Tanneries mm-hmm. use toxic chemicals, which mm-hmm. often end up as runoff into our natural water supply. Right. So that's huge. Right. There's also animal waste. Right. And that that's a that's a bad one because this waste is contaminated itself. It's not like you know when you have. Um, waste produced by free animals, you know, in the forest or in the wherever. So this stuff is bacteria laden, and that comes from livestock uh, being bred in small enclosed areas that they get stuff on their feet, they get sick from this, and then they pass that through their system, it comes out in their waste. And then also, um, they're fed hormones, uh, antibiotics to treat those infections that they get from the bacteria, um, uh, hormones, steroids. And so they have all this stuff in their system. And where's it going to go? It's going to they're going to pass it. And then that gets washed away. Um, either accidentally through rain or on purpose from when they clean out these pens and it gets washed away and it goes into the soil or it goes into water waterways. Yeah, and that's the pollutant factor. Mm-hmm. Never mind the stuff that stays in the animal right. that you eat. That you eat, right. <laughs> you're eating exactly. meat. Exactly, right. So, um, um, right, so you get kind of a double whammy. Either way, you're kind of screwed. <laughs> right. Uh, and then... When the, the the food for the livestock, when they grow that, they use a lot of chemical pesticides and uh, fertilizers. And they're, not to mention that it's also mostly probably GMO because it's more resistant to disease and everything. But then on top of that, they pile chemical pesticides and fertilizers to make this stuff grow so they have food to feed these guys. So, I mean, it's like they're getting it from all sides. Yeah. And then so are we if you eat it. Um, and then again, we talked about the meat industry byproducts, so leather goods and things like that, that also, when you make those things, it causes pollution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about soil erosion, because there were some things in here that when I first read them, like vegetarianism and rainforest, and I was mm-hmm. like, what? Right. How does that impact? I mean, I can see some of the soil erosion that we talked about, uh, that we're going to talk about here in a bit, but... The rainforest thing was like kind of blew my mind. Mm-hmm. I'm going to share some stats on that. So, uh, this, I think this was from a Greenpeace report. We're going to have all our our, refer- our resources in the show right. notes. But more than 260 million acres of U.S. forests have been cleared to grow grain for livestock. That's crazy. That is. And in the Amazon, more than 2.9 million acres of rainforest were destroyed between 2004 and 2005 growing season to raise crops or were used to feed animals in factory farms. 
And, you know, again, this is not, yes, animals eat these things on their own when they're in the wild, but not to the point, you know, when we're raising these specifically, Mm -hmm. when we're raising their population, inflating the population specifically for our meat and dairy industry, then that's where um, we're getting this this huge amount of of land being destroyed. Right. Well, and the thing about it, again, is animals uh, who eat, yeah, they go out and they eat plants and they do that, but they don't destroy entire forests and they don't go out with chainsaws and chop down forests and then plant food for themselves. They go out and they eat what's available. They don't? No, I, I don't <laughs> think so. I yeah. <laughs> Last I heard, I, I've never seen a sheep with a chainsaw or, you know, or a, a monkey in a rainforest chopping down a tree to plant some corn. You know, I, it just doesn't work that way. Humans do that. Yeah. I mean, animals in the wild eat what they have and they make the best use of what they have. Okay, how about this stat? So we just talked about 13,000 gallons of water for one pound of beef, right? Mm-hmm. Up to 220 square feet of rainforest are sacrificed to produce just one pound of hamburger. That's insane. Yeah, and you got to think about how quickly that is. I mean, how much? How many pounds of hamburger are being produced right now mm-hmm. that we're just, you know, mm-hmm. that really equate to that? Right. That's crazy. right. Um, and then according to the World Watch Institute, the meat industry is directly responsible for about 85% of all soil erosion in the U.S. Wow, that's just crazy. And again, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier um, about, you know, how when there's there's a water shortage, it erodes the soil. Um, and then when peop- when plants are removed, when trees are cut down, we lose those root systems, and that's what holds that soil together. And so when it's not there, then it's free to just wash away. Well, and here's the other thing. So cattle and other livestock depend on shallow-rooted grass for their food. Mm-hmm. So the topsoil in these pasture lands erode very quickly. Right, right. And then it's not replenished there's no time there's no time allowed for these these um uh fields to lie fallow and regenerate and you know repair themselves so to speak so it's just it just gets worse and worse and so then we need to clear more land to have more good land to grow crops on for these cows or whatever it is that that they're feeding and it's just a vicious cycle that just gets worse and worse and worse Okay, Larissa, so what can we do? Well, fortunately, there are lots of things we can do. Um, We don't have to feel helpless. We don't have to sit by and let our planet just fall apart Um, like we've been doing for so many years, so many people. And, you know, it's something that we need to educate ourselves about. And it's not something that you just automatically know. I mean, you know, yes, sure, our ancestors probably automatically knew because they didn't do all the stuff that we've done to this planet. But... There are things that you can learn about, and one of these things is learn how to reduce your ecological footprint. So what is your ecological footprint? What does that mean? So essentially an ecological foot footprint is how much refers to how much land, water, and oil resources you're using. So what are you, you know, think about a footprint. What are you leaving right. behind? Right. And we did, there was something online mm-hmm. that we did not too long ago that we kind of measured ours and mm-hmm. we've we've gotten better. So mm-hmm. we've gotten a smaller foot. Yeah, we'll have to do it. <laughs> our feet are shrinking. Yeah, our feet are shrinking. Um, we'll have to do it again and kind of compare. But so this refers to things like, I mean, it, it includes 
what kind of car you drive. Um, obviously, if you drive a hybrid car, your ecological footprint is going to be a little smaller. What kind of water use you have? Uh, do you conserve water when possible? What kind of landscaping do you have? How much water does it take? You know, if you do xeriscaping, that's less. If you do different kinds of plant water plants that use less water, then you you know, you're going to be have, you're going to have a smaller ecological footprint. And so that's what we want to be working towards. And these are some things that where being a vegetarian can help with that. Right, exactly. And even if you're not necessarily a vegetarian, but you go meatless a few days, that that can really help reduce the damage we're doing and all the things, all the ways we were just talking about. If you're, if everybody just at least, first of all, if everybody was vegetarian and vegan, that would be awesome because that would eliminate this. But even if you can just do a small part to go meatless a few days, not only would you be helping yourself, your body, but you would also be helping out the environment. Right, right. That's very true. And and, uh, studies have shown actually that a diet containing meat requires up to three times as many resources, natural resources as a vegetarian diet. Yeah. So that's by cutting out the meat, you're going to reduce your ecological footprint because you're using less of those resources. Right. So even having like, we've all heard about meatless, or a lot of people have heard about meatless Mondays. That's so important. I mean, it's because it's more than just taking care of your body. Mm-hmm. You're also taking care, you're addressing, helping address the environmental issues as well. Not to mention animal rights, which we're very passionate about and the reason right. we became vegetarians. Right, exactly. So, you know, if you just have a meatless day once per week, you know, didn't jump on the meatless Monday bandwagon, just look at all the potential positive ramifications that it's going to have. And you can think about it that way. And that's a good way. And that is a good way to kind of talk to your family or talk to your friends about it as well. Um, you know, we had a question last week about the eggs and how the um, how to talk to your family about eating less eggs or, or stopping eating eggs. And that's a good that's a good way to look at that in that same kind of situation is just look at not just health, not don't just pick one issue, but kind of go over all of them. You know, and say, hey, you know, you're by not eating this meat, you're getting healthier, you're reducing your cholesterol, you're, you know, go go over those. And then also talk about the environment. Right. And that's a good way to get kids involved, too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into our recipe of the week. Okay, well, y'all, this week, this recipe this week is barbecue sauce. Barbecue sauce. Barbecue Man. sauce. Wow, for being a Texan, I cannot do that to no, save you my can't. life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, actually. I do Kermit better. <laughs> you do. <laughs> can you do Kermit with a Texas accent? Oh, don't no, try it. No, don't, no, don't try it. Um, barbecue sauce. No, it still sounds like Kermit. <laughs> it sounded like Fozzie. <laughs> yeah, it kind of did. Um, you love Fozzie, don't you? I do love Fozzie. I know. It's the jokes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But no, this um, this actual, this recipe, we have kind of got a little small addiction going, the two of us right now. We're addicted to corn chicken nuggets. Oh, yeah. And, Those oh, are really good. If you've never good. tried them, the, the brand is corn, Q-U-O-R-N, and it's chicken, C-H-I uh ck apostrophe n of course because it's not really chicken but yeah don't forget it's not me <laughs> but you can't tell in fact i think they're no, better than they they're are better than chicken nuggets and here's why the other not only is i mean the they taste, taste better not only is the taste better i agree with you 
also knowing that they're better for you when right. you put them in your body. Because I, I think a lot of people have seen that disgusting pink, pink ooze, slime. Yeah, that they show what they really make like chicken McNuggets out right. of. Right. So, yeah. Right. No, but so anyway, we've we've been like on this chicken nugget kick lately. And they come frozen. And so we've been eating those an awful lot. But what we eat them with is a barbecue sauce that I make. I was going to say, they taste good, but I don't know that they taste as good without your barbecue sauce. Oh, thanks. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> um, but anyway, I've, I, my mom used to make this sauce or something very similar to it. And I, I couldn't, I didn't have a recipe, so I just kind of like made it and it, but it's really good and it's super simple to make and it'll freeze so you can make like a big batch and freeze it in little individual portions um you could probably even freeze it in like ice cube an ice cube tray or something mm-hmm. and then um just have little portions that you can thaw out oh i thought you were gonna say like uh popsicles <laughs> well you could do that too. i would do that too hey what if we what <laughs> if that we <laughs> what if we um could make something up where you could like have a chicken nugget and coat it in barbecue sauce and stick a popsicle stick in it and freeze it. No? no. I don't think so. No, probably no. not. Oh, well. Nice try. Uh, so anyway, I'll be posting that this week. And um, it's it's yummy. you got to try it. All right. Let's get into our quote of the week. And we have two for you. Okay. Because we had one before we knew it was Dr. Seuss Day on March 2nd. So, Larissa, why don't you share the first one? And then I, I get to show the Dr. Seuss one. Oh, because okay. Because you found it. Yes. <laughs> All right. This first one is by Paul Brooks and it's from The Pursuit of Wilderness from 1971. And it says, in America today, you can murder land for private profit. You can leave the corpse for all to see and nobody calls the cops. And I mean, that's just, that's so true. That's powerful. It's I mean, very think powerful. about our land, the way it's just destroyed and... Yeah, You know, this is the thing. A lot of companies or a lot of corporations just count on you not caring or feeling like your small contribution doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And it's very important to understand, as we were talking about, even if it's one meatless day a week, if a lot of people have one meatless day a week, that's got huge ramifications. And I think you're starting to see that in some of the fast food industry. In fact, I'd like to share some things, maybe in a future podcast, Mm -hmm. about some companies that are making changes. Now, these aren't necessarily companies we would advocate, like we or I shouldn't say advocate, well, that we patronize ourselves. But the fact that people are, they're having to, they're changing how they do things because people are starting to notice. Right. And that is huge. Right. So just understand that even one meatless day a week can make a huge impact because you don't know how many other people are doing that Mm -hmm. and you're doing your part to contribute to that. Right. And I think that that goes right into um, this Dr. Seuss quote. It does. Did you like my segue? I think that was awesome. Did you like my setup? Okay, so let me get to it. It says, unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. That's awesome. Isn't that awesome? Yep. Okay. So what can you do? As we talked about already, we can, you can have one meatless day. And I bet you if you have kids, they wouldn't even notice. And especially if you made something yummy. Uh, As I've mentioned in the past, Larissa and I had a very bland diet prior to become vegetarians. And we've become so creative Mm -hmm. and just so adventurous, right? Right. I mean, we've tried, we're meeting some friends later for dinner at a vegetarian restaurant where... The food is just great. Right. I mean, um, so we've, and we've tried things we would have never tried in the past. Right. We were pretty and much like. No, there's no meat in sight. Yeah. No at, meat in sight. Green. Um, now, okay, here's, here's something. If you have not signed up for our newsletter yet, before we change out our sign up bonus, 
you might want to do it because the what we have now as our our thank you for signing up is something that will help you with this. It's a PDF. And I'm not gonna tell you what it is, but it will help you with it. And so especially if you have kids who might not like vegetables. Yep. So check it out. All right. And as always, please make sure to stop by the show notes for notes on this episode. We also have a list of the resources that we've uh, pulled information stats from that have helped us out. And leave us a comment telling us what you thought about the show or a voice message, which is a pretty new feature that Mm -hmm. we've had added to our website. And then also, if you have just a couple of minutes, head out to iTunes and leave us a rating on iTunes or Stitcher. Right. We would really appreciate that because um, that helps people find us. The more ratings and reviews we have, the uh, higher we are in the the listings. And that helps more people see us when they're looking for vegetarian or vegan podcasts. They don't have to scroll down as far to find us. Yep. And just one final note. Um, I want to give a shout out to my friend Edgar over at We Run San Antonio. It's a shoe store on the north side of, of, of San Antonio that just opened up not too long ago. He helped me find a new pair of running shoes, which I broke in on their maiden voyage this morning. <laughs> and I had a great run. So I just wanted to give him a shout out. We were talking a little bit about the podcast yesterday when I was getting my new shoes. So shout out. Uh, to Edgar and all the folks over at We Run. Right. And I think um, he's got a website, so we'll link to that in the show notes. And uh, if you are in San Antonio, um, go up I-10, take the Bernie Stage Road exit, the first one um, at Leon Springs, take the turnaround, and you'll see We Run down a ways. Um, it's a little shopping center, and it's on the right, and you can't miss it. It says We Run, and then a big sign that says Running Store. Yep. So go pay vi- Edgar a visit and tell him we said hi. All right, I think that does it for our show for today. All right, well, we'll see you next time. Peace out. Bye. Hey, Veg Centers. Thanks so much for joining us today. Please be sure to visit our website at www.vegetarianzen.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Facebook forward slash Vegetarian Zen or on Twitter at Vegetarian Zen. Until next time, wishing you a happy body and a healthy mind.